0: Using my voice, my my words, my experiences, in order to expose the crimes that I grew up under. The electronic Intifada. The electronic Intifada. The electronic Intifada. This is the Electronic
1: Intifada podcast. I'm Nora barrows Friedman,
0: and I'm Asa
1: Winstanley. Welcome back to the Electronic Intifada podcast. I'm Nora Barrows Friedman. Today we're talking to Shahid Abu Salama about the situation she just experienced as an activist and assistant lecturer at Sheffield Hallam University in the north of England. Shahid is also a longtime contributor to the Electronic Intifada. In late January, as we reported, the university suspended Shahid from her position amid a smear campaign by supporters of Israel. Administrators launched an investigation following a complaint over her social media posts, which criticized Israel and its state ideology, Zionism. But following a massive support campaign and public outcry, the university reinstated her a week later. Shahed did not initially accept the reinstatement offer, demanding that the investigation be dropped first, as it was prompted by malicious smears and bolstered by the IHRA's so-called definition of antisemitism which is regularly used by Israel lobby groups to smear and censor supporters of Palestinian rights by conflating criticism of Israel with anti-Jewish bigotry. On February 3rd, the university dropped its investigation and offered her a more secure contract. She has resumed teaching her classes. However, the university still has not released details on who or which groups filed the complaint against Shahid. And the smears are still coming. Just a few days ago, the Jewish Chronicle, a far-right publication which has targeted Shahid and countless other Palestinian activists before, published a statement by a Zionist group on campus accusing the university of fostering a, quote, hostile environment for Jewish students. Joining us to talk about what happened and how she's continuing to fight back is Shahid Abu Salama and her lawyer, Giovanni Fasina, at the European Legal Support Center. Shahid and Giovanni, thank you so much for being with us on the Electronic Intifada podcast. Thank you
0: so much for having us. So
1: first off, Shahid, this has been a total whirlwind for you for the last uh, three or four weeks. I encourage our readers and viewers to go back through the reports I wrote about your case, uh, where they can find many of the details. We'll put that uh, those links up on the blog post that accompanies this. But in your own words, tell us about the significance of the university dropping its investigation against you and why you were targeted by supporters of Israel in the first place.
0: Uh, I I think I should uh, answer the later question before the first. So uh, I am targeted um, for simply being Palestinian. I am just speaking about my experiencing, uh, my experiences under um, Israel's um, oppressive structures and uh, and the realities that that anyone from Gaza would would be able to understand. And um, I'm sorry, Maria not feeling well
1: it's okay take your time
0: it's just it's just because i came i just came back from teaching and and that was a bit triggering to be honest
1: just being back at the university with everything that's happened
0: yeah so um I'm only utilizing my voice, my my words, my experiences, in order to expose the crimes that I grew up under and, and demand accountability for them. And justice is long overdue for the Palestinians. I was born with this burden, with the cause, a cause of my grandparents who were uprooted from their lands. My great grandfather was shot as he stood by a tree and and my grandparents waited in refugee camps in Jabalia, specifically north of Gaza, um, all their lives basically waiting to return when this right was barred due to racist ideologies and practices. Some of my grandparents actually tried to return, but they were shot at. And we know that 5,000 people, 5,000 Palestinians, simply refugees were, who were trying to go back to their lands between 1948 and 1956. They were shot just for returning to their lands, shot dead. And this is to reinforce Israel's colonial borders. And I grew up in, in Gaza, in the world's largest open air prison that was made as such due to these colonial borders that separated us from our original lands villages that we grew up hearing about from our grandparents and they're completely actually erased and new developments are made on top of them of course this is part of of covering their act of memory side against the Palestinians and And we sit so close and they sit so close, holding up to this, to to the land, to this feeling that they had at those times and they never had ever since. They were dispossessed and demeaned and um, subjugated under military occupation. And I was born into an occupation and, and you could imagine the, uh, the motivations of such a lived experience that would make me vocal in any um, possible way, trying to expose these things that the, the international community failed to act upon. We are living in a reality where Palestine continues to be the exception to the rule as Israel is continuing to be treated as a state above law. And and racism is increasingly um, not tolerated except when it's practiced against the Palestinians. And, And this is why, to be honest, whenever I think of what I've just experienced um, it's, it comes back, not just the treatment of uh, of the university, I, you know, it's not only that, that comes back to the surface as if it just happened, but my whole life, literally, just, you know, it, it rushes bef- before my eyes, because I understand this as part of this historical pattern that insists on dehumanizing the Palestinians and that I insist on resisting. I was silenced by uh, the Zionist uh, press with unfounded accusations of anti Semitism for simply speaking about the Palestinian people's right to freedom, justice and equality and return to their dispossessed lands. And I wasn't even given a chance to provide my side of story and the Zionist narrative immediately uh, took more legitimacy than my existence and my story and I am their staff member. I'm a module leader. I'm not a teaching assistant. I'm a module leader. I'm, uh, and I have 30 students um, that I'm responsible for. And the university is responsible for them as well, not just for me. And for the university to disrupt my life and disrupt the uh, education of its paying students um, and capitulate to uh, Zionist pressure, That just shows that colonialism is not over and colonial culture, imperial culture, is, um, is very contemporary, it's, it's, it's the reason why, people like George Floyd would be um, shot dead without a second thought, or Iyad Halla would be shot dead just because he didn't answer back. And, And it's a reason why as well, we don't hear in the news that Sheikh Jarrah for example, is undergoing uh, a physical erasure and, and ethnic cleansing is, is happening right now as we speak. And settlers are invading people's, our people's towns and, and neighborhoods, threatening them to burn them alive. And they, they shout in the middle of the streets, "Death to Arabs. Shamelessly, if an Arab says something similar, we would immediately be scandalized on all front lines. But but because the perpetrator here is Israel, they can enjoy doing that with immunity, knowing that the world will just uh, let it go. Well we are we are fighting to reclaim our narrative, to call things as they are, and to disrupt these processes that contribute to our dehumanization and the violence enacted on us in in both military and discursive ways. Thank you, Noga.
1: Thank you, Shahid. Um, Giovanni, uh, you and your colleagues at the European Legal Support Center um, track violations of civil rights um, in, in cases such as Shahid's. Can you walk us through the the potential violations that Sheffield Hallam University um, could have uh, could have Made in their kind of reflexive decision to not just suspend Shahid at the beginning, but also launch an investigation without telling Shahid or her legal team who had filed the complaints, uh, the nature of the complaints themselves. Um, can, can, you, can you talk about what happened from a legal point of view?
2: yeah I mean uh, yeah of course uh, the we are of the opinion that the fact that the university have decided to not uh, you know investigate shahad at the end you know they haven't reached any any law or any policy uh, anyway uh, I mean um, I must say that this is a, a common uh, praxis uh, come university to act like that because the, the policies of the university when it comes to uh, disciplinary proceedings. Uh, yeah, indeed, unfortunately, they, they allow uh, them to not reveal the name of a complainant, uh, and are very vague and, and drafted in a very generic manner. So, so, so it's not stated very clearly that they have to provide the, immediately what the allegations are. So, the, the whole, whole procedure is, is, is uh, I would say, it's regulated in a very, very broad uh, manner. They okay. are not very specific. Okay. But uh, uh, the, the potential investigation, the uh, investigation against Shahad, would have restricted her ability to fully enjoy her right to freedom of expression. So, we were claiming a violation of freedom of expression in the sense of freedom to impart information. Okay, And we were considering that, that that would have been unlawful and that would, would have been an arbitrary, arbitrary interference with their freedom of expression. And also, um, the, applic- uh, the start of an investigation could, can, could have constituted also a form of unlawful direct discrimination on grounds of uh, uh, philosophical belief uh, uh, meaning uh, anti-Zionism uh, as a form of you know, philosophical belief, uh, and also race and religion. So, as a Palestinian uh, Muslim, and also potentially a form of unlawful indirect discrimination. Direct uh, discrimination means uh, uh, when 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 you're setting, uh, 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 I would say. Uh, let's say an environment where uh, uh, like you adopt a specific policy that uh, that at the end uh, targets a specific group of, of people in this case it would target uh, anti zionists but also uh, Palestinians uh, so that could potentially be uh, some these are are some arguments we we, we made um, but what is particularly concerning is uh, uh, I mean, what, was, uh, what happened is really illustrative on how the ray has been really used to, to silence uh, lawful speech on Palestine and how this contributes to chilling effect. Uh, For us, it's important to, to stress that in the last two years, we have been providing support to dozens of academics and students across the UK who will be subjected to investigations Based on inflammatory allegations of antisemitism because of what they tweeted or posted on social media. Uh, and you know, the crazy thing was that in most of these cases, like all these social media were, were um, uh, social media posts were made even before these people were enrolled in university or before they were working. Uh, so and this show you know that the complainants were literally going on your profile and scrolling it all over and see what they can find which show kind of malicious intent in our opinion um, and, and and also in all these cases the complainants were using the HRA when making the complaints because the university just adopted the definition uh, you know um, and, 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 uh, uh, and so, because they just adopted the definition and we're speaking about one year ago, you know, there was a lot of confusion and universities still didn't know what to do with this definition. And so they felt kind of obliged to open immediately the investigation uh, um, on, on this ground. Uh, the majority of the complainants knew this very well and they use it as a tactic to scare academic students. Uh, I must say, though, that these attempts have failed all the time because all the complaints, uh, all the cases we'll be working on were successfully in a sense that all the complaints were all dismissed, all of them. And we're talking about, yeah, at least cases involving at least 20, 25 people, maybe different universities. Um, yeah. and and. And again and the arguments we are making are this is a low, this arbitrary interference of freedom of expression this can't constitute uh, discrimination but then there are many others indeed like you, you cannot investigate uh, like a person on a post she wrote before even having a position like with, with this public body but again the cases are successful absolutely possible to push back uh, 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 and, and 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 so I really want to re, re, reinforce this this message.
1: Thanks, Um, and yeah, I mean, continuing on the topic of the IHRA, um, Shahid, you know, you um, expressed that, you know, you weren't done, even though, you know, you had claimed victory over this um, malicious, you know, these these malicious smear campaign, um, and these accusations, and the suspension of your classes, and the investigation, all of that. you know, you've said that, that the fight isn't over because the IHRA is still in place, uh, not just at Sheffield Hallam, where, where you teach, but um, all over the UK. Um, can you talk about the, the next step in, in your fight? Um, you know, you're not just like resting on your laurels, as they say, but, but you are, are stepping up the challenge to the IHRA, um, something that you had been involved in from the start when the IHRA was being adopted by universities um, in in the UK. Can you talk about what that fight looks like now?
0: Yeah. um, I mean, of course, the university's um, uh, decision to reinstate me and drop the investigation um, is is very welcome. But um, I don't think any Palestinian Uh, or uh, any anti-Zionist would be safe in any environment that has the IHRA on top of prevent strategy um, there, uh, conveniently used to silence Palestine. Um, And and I, I think what happened to me is making everyone clear that uh, that they that it could have been any of them, it could have been any of them, and and it's probably actually uh, you know the, if if we want to look at it uh, positively, it actually served um, having a Palestinian uh, being the first victim to this tool. Um, in my university, because it just showed that we are going to be the most vulnerable to it. And when we were talking, that we when we were fighting it seriously and not heard, we had legitimate concerns that could affect our future and our, our life, our people's life back home too. And these are not separate. And so, of course, having having these repressive laws um, must be challenged. Um, And and if we care about basic values of the academy, then we have to question um, the imposition of such a, a flawed definition of antisemitism by government on um, educational institutions. We have to question this. And we have to be able to say that that this is whatever, whether we agree or not on the content, but this is um, an intervention into the university's autonomy. And it just shows the influence that uh, the Israeli lobby has in this country. Um, many people would argue that Islamophobia is, is far more prominent in the UK. Why are why aren't there uh, any specific laws being imposed by government on on uh, uh institutions like this to to ensure that that muslim um people are are safe but it's just it just shows the the amount of forces um we are fighting against and um and the systematic really um Uh, racism that we're dealing with in this case. Um, Yes, uh, the the fight is definitely not over and we have to remind people who are listening that um, the IHRA definition of antisemitism deliberately um, conflates um, anti-Zionism with antisemitism to protect Israel from accountability. And and this is something that should be seen now clearer than ever, especially with the developments on the ground um, and the fact that a lot more uh, Jews, like quite substantial Jews around the world are speaking against Zionism and saying that this is not in our name. no religion would endorse crimes of ethnic cleansing, crimes of apartheid. So, uh, and even like in the fact that, that seven of 11 examples that are listed under the A are focused on Israel, that in itself shows how political this tool is and how it's designed to silence the Palestinians and their supporters, their allies. And of course, we're not going to let this happen. And we're going to fight it till the end. And we have a mandate within the university, actually, in my support, in support of Palestine. And, And if you look closely, the university's own policies and their own values should be in theory on our side and against such repressive uh, tools. But unfortunately, when it comes to practice, it's not like that. And we see racism reproduced. So yeah. Um, we have a strong support in uh, in my university. The UCU has been brilliant Um, and the ELSC as well has been phenomenal and given us a lot of power. Um, And I guess everything all like this, the rage that my case galvanized um uh, showed us what we can do when we come united against oppression.
1: Right.
0: And and I guess this is this is the thing that we should take forward as we continue to fight until Israeli apartheid is defeated. Yeah.
1: Um as as you said, what happened to you Um, has happened to many other Palestinians and Palestine solidarity activists and academics, people who just criticize or question Israel's policies. Um, What what kind of advice can you give to those who are facing these kinds of attacks, whether it's in the UK or in Europe or in the US, um, know, who are being repeatedly targeted by Zionist groups and racist publications, trying to get them to uh, stay silent and and not, you know, not even rock the boat politically, Um, especially if, you know, their their employment could be at stake. Um, What have you learned from this experience that you can you can share with others going through this?
0: Yeah, I think I think we just need to be strong, and and mobilize mobilize effectively um, with uh, with grassroots communities, with every everybody who could help and who could uh, alleviate the suffering of the Palestinians. Um, this cannot be accepted to anyone and it cannot be accepted to the Palestinians. And Israel is a settler colonial apartheid regime that exists at the expense of uprooting the Palestinians and dehumanizing them and keeping as as maximum as possible in as minimum land as possible. And it's clear now, clearer than ever. And we are not short of evidence on the criminality and the cruelty of the Israeli state. And this is not safe to anyone because as we see, Israel is actually exporting a model of oppression to other oppressive regimes around the world to use against their unwanted others. And this is happening in India now under Modi's government against the Kashmiris. And in the US has been happening for ages. And of course, we we don't have a choice but to fight because these, these are our lives, these are not abstract issues. I mean I, I do go teach post-colonial media culture and I and uh, you know, I feel like I'm speaking about my life and and the Palestinian experience and and the you know, even if we can expand it to, to every um, racialized person experience. It is our life our life that we're talking about and and it has, um, an impact beyond the, the boundaries of Palestine. And we see this. Um, and so we, we really need to stand our ground and, and just remember that we have the mandate of human rights conventions, international law, the Hague, the United Nations, so many resolutions that are just waiting to be implemented. And we have to keep going until until it's done. And this is this is what what you know we just saw uh, five years of grassroots campaigning against Elbit systems in Aldum. And and many people thought this is uh, not gonna do anything because Israel is so powerful and da 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 da. But they did force. uh, they did force Elbet, Israel's giant arms company to to force and shut its doors and leave their communities. And the people of South Africa forced apartheid down with the help from the international community. The Algerian people forced France out of their land. They put an end to colonialism and brutality. And and we have to do this. Like this is a a matter of life and death for, for the Palestinians and we see that. And we can't breathe, honestly, we can't breathe because we wake up to oppression that eats us up every day. And in order to breathe, we speak. We just we 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 expose, and we try to exist despite all the barriers that are trying to silence us and erase us. And we're going to continue doing so until Palestine is liberated, and that is going to be a good day—not just for the Palestinians, but for the whole world. Yeah.
1: It will. Uh, Giovanni, um, same question to you. What advice can you give students, activists, academics who are facing these kinds of attacks and smear campaigns? Um, yeah, what, what's your best advice?
2: Well, uh, for I mean we I mean for, for organizations like for people having issues in, in even the United States I would definitely advise I, knew, I would definitely advise to get in touch with Palestine Legal. Uh, Palestine Legal, we have a team of I don't know how many of you are almost 10 attorneys, uh, who are amazing. They do have I mean they are the best absolutely the best people you could get in touch with because they had a lot of experience. They they achieved amazing uh, success uh, and, and they are yeah they're moving through here so so they are great both as a lawyer and then politically i would say uh, then when it comes to, to europe when happens something like this happen i mean some basic advice is first of all uh do not rush do not act impulsively the most important thing is to strategize when this kind of attacks take place it's really important to strategize because the attack is deemed to make you go crazy, to uh, 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 and, and 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 again and, and act in a rush. So the most important thing is uh, immediately establish a network of support, which can be friends, uh, uh, um, colleagues, uh, um, and organizations. Okay. Of course, the first thing would be getting contact with us because we can help you to do this, and of course we take care mostly of, of the legal part, but just to make sure that, you know, the, the legal part is as important as the, the, the political slash and the, the, the advocacy one, because the two things go together, really. Uh, so uh, uh, yeah, get in contact with us. Uh, if you go on our website, it's very, very easy. You write, report an incident uh, and we will get back to you immediately. Uh, but yes, in general, it's strategized, because as more radical we want to be, as more strategic we need to be, is uh, is a matter of fact. And then according to the circumstances, you we will see, sometimes it's important to go public immediately, sometimes maybe not, it's better to wait. So it really, really depends. Uh, I mean, we work mainly in the UK, Netherlands, and Germany, but when these things come, when we're supporting people in the UK, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we have a legal officer working full time for doing this, uh, and 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 we coordinate a lot also with Palestinian Solidarity Campaign, who always help us a lot uh, on this kind of cases and give us really good advice. So, yeah, these are my basic uh, yeah uh, suggestions.
1: That's great, and we'll we'll put the the link to the website for the ELSC on the blog post. Um, finally, Shahid, Um Is there anything else you would like to say to our readers and viewers who have been closely following um, your situation? Um, And, and, you know, yeah. What else would you want to say?
0: First, I want to thank you, Nora, because you were a great support in the past period. Thank you so much. And the whole electronic intifada squad has been brilliant. and I'm just like, I'm, I'm so proud to be part of you. And I've actually learned a lot, you know, like when I started writing, I was barely 20. Amazing. Uh, <laughs> I learned a lot from you and I was like yeah. reading you and like, you sort of expanded my horizon. And like, I wasn't feeling like I was living in a prison anymore. And mm. it was something that actually, like, Intifada made me feel it. And Um, I was, I was free despite the shackles, I was free with my voice and I think this is um, something that Palestinians really need to feel like they, we are not helpless, we are, we can uh, change and we have, uh, every one of us is an agent of change Um, and, uh, and we have tools that we can use in order to, to break uh, the prison walls
1: mm.
0: and, and really thank you for everybody, like th- this collective action and the, the killing rage to uh, in order to use uh, Bill Hook's, um, may she rest in peace and power. I mean, this, this rage that my case galvanized is what made things backfire on the Zionists. And and of course, they're very angry now. They're very, very angry. And ever since I've been reinstated, the um, circle of attack is actually getting wider and nastier. And they stoop lower and lower. And I'm getting negative um, media and um, threats, um, emails. Trolls, name it. Um, but of course, I have, I have to um, stay uh, strong, and and uh, I'm not going to be surprised from, you know, the people or the regime that uh, uprooted my grandparents, and imprisoned my father, and killed my cousins, and then subjugated us to a life of terror under the frequent bombardments of Gaza uh, is expected to chase you and try to silence you outside Palestine. And we know that silencing uh, of the Palestinians is is not a a new phenomenon. It's something that uh, has repeated itself across the history of Palestinian resistance and the agents of change, the cultural agents of change specifically were, were also um, targeted by means of arbitrary detention and assassination. Let's not forget the San Canifani, an artist, novelist, a freedom fighter, and, and he was shot, I mean, sorry, assassinated in a, in a car bomb with his niece 17 year old next to him. They don't care and they would do anything to protect um, the the Israeli apartheid state. Uh, And and it is our moral duty to fight against this. Um, So thank you, we are stronger every day and, uh, and I feel really like despite all the oppression that we feel in, in, in our, every cell of our bodies, we also feel freezes pre- of freedom. Um, and we see that in Sheikh Jarrah and the people who are fighting with their own bodies, just holding onto their homes. We see that in, in the people of Gaza who continue to, exemplify such an amazing um, demonstration of dignity, despite um, all the terror and dehumanization they're subjugated to. And yes, we teach life, as Rafif Ziadah said. And, and I hope that yeah, justice is, is around the corner. Um, and until then, let's stay strong.
1: Um, you are a light and a gem. And I thank you so much on behalf of all of uh, you know, my colleagues at the Electronic Intifada, um, we are with you. Thank you and Giovanni Fasina of the European Legal Support Center. Thank you so much for all that you do. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll come back to you both very soon, I'm sure. Um, Shahid, you're, you're always welcome to submit stories to us again <laughs> when you have some time away from teaching. <laughs> and um, thank you both so much.
2: Thank you, Laura. Thank you.
1: Thanks for watching this video. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit like, leave a comment. These engagements help us with the YouTube algorithm and it helps us to get around Silicon Valley censorship as much as possible. It does make a difference. You can also support our journalism by going to electronicintifada.net and clicking on Donate Now. Thank you.